The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Welcome to the American Negotiation Institute's podcast, where we will teach you the skills you need to get more out of life. And now your host, Kwame Christian. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Negotiation for Entrepreneurs. My name is Kwame Christian. I'm a business lawyer and I am passionate about teaching business professionals like you how to be more persuasive and how to get better deals for your business. So this is the episode we have all been waiting for. Finally, we get to hear the negotiation I had with the salesperson. I'm really sorry it took so long to get this up. I really wanted to post it last week, but I got a new client who needed help with a $2 million deal and I have been putting out fires ever since. So it's a good problem to have, but it pushed me behind on the podcast. So my apologies for that. Um, For those of you who are new to the podcast, thank you for joining us. Welcome to the team. We are in the middle of a three-part car negotiation series. So if you are new, I strongly suggest that you pause this episode and listen to parts one and two before finishing up with part three. And in part one, we talked about strategy and preparation. In part two, we talked about tactics. And I had my friend Kyle talk about how you can beat the dealer, the dealership in the actual negotiation and now part three is the actual negotiation with the salesperson so if you're planning on buying the car in the future make sure you download this free car negotiation guide so if you go to americannegotiationinstitute.com slash car again that's americannegotiationinstitute.com slash c-a-r and i actually have the actual link so fun fact Kwame learned how to code, so now you can just open up the description and click the link and it'll take you straight to that guide. So get excited. I'm excited. New skills, you know, that's always a good thing. So if you think you're going to buy a car in the future, you need this. So I think that's everybody here. So go ahead and download that guide and it's free. So you can't really beat that that price. So if you like the content on this podcast, please be sure to rate and review. This really helps when it comes to searchability in iTunes and it makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside, which I like. And make sure to subscribe so the new episodes just pop into your iPhone as if by magic. And um, let's just get into it. So here's how we're going to do this in this episode. I'm going to play the recorded negotiation, and then I'm going to do a breakdown slash play-by-play afterward. So like I mentioned in the last episode, this negotiation was shockingly short and surprisingly easy. And the reason it was easy wasn't because I have any special magical abilities. It was easy because we took the time to prepare beforehand. When you listen to the negotiation, you'll be really surprised at how quickly he was willing to drop his price. And then in the breakdown afterwards, I'll explain why. And a quick disclaimer, I had to change the car that I was planning on buying because by the time I finally got to calling, it was sold. So in this scenario, the car we're going after is a 2016 Ford Explorer. One thing I wish we could have captured in this interview was the negotiation when it comes to financing because that's a significant part of the deal but I thought it would be really inappropriate and kind of mean to to take it that far and waste so much of this person's time when I knew I wasn't going to buy the car. So without further ado, let's go to the tape. 
Hi, uh, my name is Kwame Christian. I was wondering if Jason was available. This is him. Hey, Jason. I was wondering if your 2016 Ford Explorer was still available. Yeah, one second. Let me pull it up here for you. Okay, yeah, this one's a 16 with 12,000 miles, but it's great. Okay, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell me a little bit about it? I took it in on trade from a lady named Jane DeBoard. She bought a Chevrolet Trax. She bought the car brand new. Um, she was just trying to get something smaller. Her husband just passed, and they were getting kind of downsizing her bills in her life. So that's about all I know about it. Okay, all right. Um, one of the things that I'm concerned about right now is um, safety. I have an 11-month-old right now, and I was wondering, what are the safety stats on this one? I'll tell you. If it was a Chevy product, I'd have it memorized. (laughs) It's a five-star all the way around. Oh, that's good. Yep, five out of five. Okay, that is good. All right, and um, I'm I'm looking at cars.com, and I know sometimes that... uh, it takes a little bit of time to update. So what what's the current list price on it? We just lowered them yesterday. The current price on it is... No, this one just lowered this morning. Mm-hmm. No, yesterday. Today's the 31st. Uh, 31.1. 31.1, okay. Yep. All right, good deal. Yeah, I'm, um, I live in the Columbus area. Mm-hmm. And so I'm searching around, kind of comparing prices and... Uh, yeah, based on safety and other uh, features, the 2016 Ford Explorer XLT is the one that I want to go with. And really, it just comes down to the numbers at this point. So I was wondering, what what flexibility do you have on that offer of 31? Uh, I, not very much. The Internet doesn't allow it. But let me tell you exactly. Not a whole lot. There's... 197 of them available right now within 250 miles of here, and I have the 15th best price. Mm-hmm. Um, I will sell you the car. I will make it. I will take it down to the 8th best price. I'll sell it to you for $30,000 plus tax. $30,000. That's, that's a good deal. I appreciate that. Yeah. If it um, makes you feel warm and fuzzy, I'll do it for twenty nine nine ninety nine. Hey, I that I take, I like that a lot better. <laughs> that's cool. You know, Jason, the reason that you remember when I – when I called, I asked for you specifically. Yeah. Um, it was because when I looked up uh, your dealership and looked yeah. up the reviews, everybody's like, Jason's the man. I got to go with Jason. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, I, Michael and, you know, Michael and Debbie Kelly came in and bought a, bought a car Tuesday for the same exact reason. So Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Good deal. So I like the deal. Um, I think it's good. But my thing is, like the majority of households in the U.S., I have, yeah. to, I have to pass this through my CFO. My hey, wife. I understand. I have one of those at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was wondering. So I know that's the eighth best um, on online. It is. And I know that that's pretty solid. I just want to make sure that I, I I get I get the best deal so I could come to her and just be one and done when it comes to my negotiation with her. Absolutely. So is there any way we could get it lower than eight? Nope. No, all right. No, because I mean, really, really, I'm one of the top deals because this thing is also factoring in rental cars for sale online. Mm-hmm. Rental cars don't have the same option as non-rental vehicles. What do you What do you mean? Rental cars aren't aren't built with the same equipment. So an XLT 
Ford Explorer that's a rental car isn't going to have the same options as my car. Gotcha. Okay. You know, they're they're built they're built cheaper from the manufacturer for rental car companies so that they can turn a higher profit. But like to give me an example, I mean the the deals that are better than mine may not even be something you are interested in. This my program factors in everything and then computes what kind of deal it is. So for example, the number one deal out there on this car is a two thousand twelve. It has eighty one thousand nine hundred miles on it, so it has seventy thousand more miles than my car does. Uh, but it's also $27,284. Right. So they're considering that a better deal. Now, where they get that math, I don't know, because I'd rather pay another $2,500 and get 60, you know, 70,000 less miles. Right. That makes sense. But I mean, that's, that's where they're, that's where they're, they're factoring that in. And then there's another one that has, there's one that has 9,000 miles on it. And that car is thirty two thousand even, and that that deal is considered better than mine too, because mm-hmm. yeah, it has three thousand less miles. So I don't know how it computes all that, but I mean, with with the car miles, you know, in the ten to fifteen thousand mile range, that's that's pretty competitive. Right. Yeah, and I, and, and I know the stats. I know that's a really solid offer, so I appreciate yeah. that. Um, what, what do you have in the uh, as far as uh, warranties go and that kind of stuff? That warrant, the the car is still way under the factory warranty. Okay. Um, let's see. I'll tell you what it is. The warranty is. Oh, wow, this thing's so new it hasn't even reported the Carfax with the warranty yet. Hang on, I'll tell you. <clears throat> I think it's four year or five year fifty, but I want to make sure. Okay. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From the minds of visionaries to the desks of disruptors, I'm Lars Schmidt, host of the Redefining Work podcast. Join me each week as we explore the new world of work through the lens of those shaping it. CEOs, HR leaders, investors, and more. Be a part of the conversation that changes everything. Subscribe to Redefining Work today. Yeah, it's three-year, 36,000 bumper-to-bumper warranty. She bought the car in January. Mm-hmm. So you have you have basically, you know, January of 2019 or 36,000 miles on bumper-to-bumper. And you have a five-year, 60,000-mile warranty on the engine and transmission. Okay. And that's that doesn't cost you a dollar. That's the car's warranty, not not necessarily your warranty. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. That's, yeah. that's pretty good, too. Um. When was the last oil change and servicing? We just did it on. Stand by, and I'll tell you the exact date. It would have been done about three miles ago, but we did it on. <clears throat> July 17th. Okay, oh, all right, so another. It's fresh. Yep. <laughs> it's fresh. Car wash. I'm assuming it's uh, pristine. Yeah, trying to sell. I mean, it. the car, the car still smells brand new inside. The lady that owned it is 
I mean, her husband just died of not anything but old age. I mean, she's in her 70s. Her name's Jane DeBoard. I mean, it wasn't owned by a young kid or anything. Okay. Um, question, and this, this is important. Uh, mm-hmm. Did the husband die in the car? No. Okay. No, he didn't <laughs> die in the car. Okay. No, they sold. I have both of their cars on the lot. If you look at look up a 2013 three-quarter ton Chevrolet pickup truck, that was his truck. Okay. No, she nice. drove. She drove this car in here. It was just. I think she was just trying to downsize because she only has one income now. So she took a big boy payment on them, and she paid like forty eight thousand dollars for that Explorer. Oh wow! She took that payment and made a lot lower payment by getting a smaller car. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Alrighty, good deal. Well, here's what I'll do. I'll run it by okay. my CFO, and yep. if, if I get the green light, uh, I'll give you a call back. Yeah, do that. And then let me give you my cell phone number, too. I do a lot with text and email through that. All right, perfect. Um, I sell a lot of cars. A lot of times I do them outside of the dealership. Yep. All righty, sounds good. Thank you so much for your help, Jason. I hey, no problem, it. sir. Have a great day. You too. Well, there you have it. So I would classify this negotiation as a success because we were able to get over $1,000 off the list price and get the car for approximately 13% below the market price. So that's pretty solid. And like I mentioned earlier, there was a part of me that kind of felt bad because I knew I was not going to buy this car. If it was a car that I really wanted, I would have pushed a little bit more. I probably would have come back after talking with Whitney and and seen how much I could get, how much more I could have gotten. And this is why. In negotiation, every ceiling is a new floor. So I know that once I get to 29999, I know he's not going to raise it after that, so I can I can push. There's no time when he would really walk away. So I could have pushed and tried to squeeze try to squeeze a little bit more out of it, but you know at that point I think I already made my point for our purposes of this podcast. But in this breakdown, there are five points that I want to highlight from this conversation. So number one, one of my goals is to change your perspective on what a negotiation is. So you don't need to be mean or super serious or stiff. My conversations sound just like my podcast interviews. They're really relaxed. And one of the reasons I can be so relaxed is because I'm so well prepared for the conversation that I'm confident that I know every direction the conversation could possibly go. So you'll remember back from one of our earlier episodes with Luke Fedlam, uh, we ta- when we talked about negotiation style. And we talked about the importance of staying true to yourself in a negotiation. So if you missed that episode, check back. It is episode number 13. And you can download a free negotiation style guide from AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash style. And since I know how to code, I put a link in the description. So that link will help you to find your own personal negotiation style. So for me, I typically start up my conversations with a neutral, professional feel, and then I feel out the personality of the person I'm talking to during the conversation. However, based on my research, I had a pretty good idea that Jason was going to be a friendly guy, so I was willing to let go of a little bit of that formality earlier than I typically would. So if you are a friendly, bubbly person, you don't need to feel like you are you need to be tough. Or if you are a tough person, somebody who's a little bit stern, please don't try and tell jokes and be friendly and bubbly. If that's not you, don't do it. So spare us all the stand-up routine if you are not a funny guy. 
So just figure out who you are as a negotiator, use that, and then focus really on the preparation and the things, the questions you want to ask during the negotiation, and just try and be as natural as possible. And the thing is, when you look at the greatest actors in the world, they they seem so natural in their role, but you know they're actors, you know they're playing a role, but they are so well prepared and so well rehearsed that it looks natural. And that's how you kind of need to think about negotiation. I'm not saying that you need to go in there with a verbatim script, but I'm saying that it's going to be important for you to know as much as you can before going in, and you're going to feel a lot more comfortable, loose, and natural during the negotiation. All right, point number two. So Jason came down to a number that was more than fair really quickly. So why is that? Think back to part two where Kyle talked about tactics. I called Jason on the last day of the month. So why does that matter? Salespeople have to make quotas, and because of that, they're more willing to be flexible on price when they're trying to reach their sales quota. They, they want to squeeze in another sale at the end of the month. Similarly, the final day of the month happened to fall on a Wednesday. Salespeople are more willing to be flexible on days that fall during the week because those are typically slow days for them. Wednesdays are slow. They want more action. I called towards the end of the day, so there was some urgency on his part to try and close the deal quickly. Lastly, it was raining, so people don't like to buy cars during bad weather, which made the day slower and made him more willing to give me a deal in order to get a sale. And so think about that for a second. When I reviewed the tape, I was like, is this even a good example? Because I didn't, I felt like I didn't even do anything. And really, the, the victory was won days before in my preparation. I didn't really need to do anything. I just needed to be minimally competent in this negotiation, and our preparation did the work for us. So the strategy and preparation, that that's what really got the, us this deal today. Number three, I asked my favorite question in negotiation. What flexibility do you have with that number? To me, this is the perfect question because of three things. Number one, it's open-ended. And you'll remember why open-ended questions are so powerful from part one in the series. So that's a teaser for those of you who decided to skip ahead to part three and didn't listen to part one. So go back and listen to part one because I went on a long-winded rant on why I love open-ended questions. Number two, the question operates under the assumption that there is flexibility. I'm not asking whether or not flexibility exists. I'm assuming that there is and... I'm asking you to tell me about it. Number three, it's non-threatening. I'm getting them to give me critical information, but it doesn't sound like it's information that'll hurt them. Because of that, they're more willing to answer that question. So imagine if the question, what flexibility do you have, was juxtaposed with the question, can you go lower? Of course, he's going to say no. Because no is always a safer answer, and it will be very clear what you are trying to do. It's a very transparent way of asking the question. And so they're simply going to say no because that's the best answer for them. So always in your negotiations, try to figure out a way to take that question, what flexibility do you have with blank, and twist it for, twist sounds negative, I don't want to say twist, and, and mold it into the conversation that you're having. All right, now on to the fourth thing I wanted you to get out of this negotiation. I also want you to notice the effective use of silence. So when I asked that question, what flexibility do you have? He responded with, not much. So what does that response tell us? Now we know that there 
is room to go lower. But after he said that, there was a brief moment of silence at that point. And so you'll remember in part two where Kyle talked about the importance of silence in his negotiation. If you didn't listen to that, I really want you to go back because my silence was probably about three to four seconds. In Kyle's situation, it was probably close to one, one or two minutes. And he just wallowed in that silence and used it perfectly. So please go back and check out part two if you haven't listened to it yet. Um... It's one of those moments where people typically shoot themselves in the foot by talking too quickly. So, for example, if he said not much, I could have said, okay, that's not a problem right after it. Because I knew technically by the customs or norms of conversation, it was my turn to talk. But I didn't want to do it because I wanted him to say the next thing. I wanted him to go deeper. What Not much. What does that mean? Elaborate. So I just sat there and waited for him to continue. So if I would have jumped in, I would have missed out on a critical opportunity to get more information, and it paid dividends in the end. And number five, the last thing, and arguably the most important thing that this negotiation exemplifies is the importance of preparation. You remember all of the information we gathered in part one. I had more questions that I could have asked. You know, there I had more information. I could have gone into detail about what the invoice price was, the MSRP, the trade-in value, all those things. I could have gone deeper, but I didn't need to. I over-prepared for this negotiation and got the number that I wanted. So I, I didn't think I'd be able to get below 30000 for this, but it happened because of that preparation, even though I didn't actually have to bring that to the table. But I don't want you to think, well... Well, in this situation, Kwame over-prepared, so in my negotiation, I don't need to prepare that much. False, wrong, incorrect. You know, you might have a salesperson who is a little bit more aggressive. Maybe she already met her quota. You know, so in, if, in that case, you might need to bring out all that stuff. Just think about it as, a, as like you're an archer. You know, you're going out to war as an archer. I only had to use one arrow. That doesn't mean next time I go to war, I'm going to just take one arrow in my quiver. You want to have as many as you possibly can. So if if war gets messy, if it gets tough, you're ready. And that's the point, the the most important point that I want to get across today. My favorite sport is tennis. So I will end this podcast with a tennis quote. So one of my favorite tennis players is, or was, is, she still plays, is Martina Navratilova. And she said that many people have the will to win, but few have the will to prepare. And I really enjoyed this this series because it demystifies and systematizes the negotiation process. So if you have the time to adequately prepare, you'll see incredible gains in your negotiation abilities. So I hope you found that episode helpful and I hope you enjoyed it. If you like the content that you're hearing, please leave a review. That really means a lot to me. And before we close, I want you to connect with me, like in person, like me, Kwame, the human. So the best ways to connect with me are on LinkedIn and Snapchat. So if you search Kwame Christian on LinkedIn, it's spelled like Quame, but pronounced like Kwame. Um, you'll connect with me there. Just shoot me a message. Tell me that you're a listener and I'll be super geeked and I'll be like, hey, welcome to the family. So yeah, I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn. And um, a quick note about Snapchat. When I joined Snapchat initially, I didn't think I was ever going to use it. It was almost like a joke. So I say that to explain my weird username. It's 
so weird in fact that I will not say it during the podcast it's not it's not offensive or anything it's just kind of weird but I will put it in the description so if you want to connect with me on Snapchat you'll be able to and you'll see my uh, username there but seriously I love hearing from all of you and words cannot describe how much it means to me when you reach out and say that this information has been helpful it really really means a lot to me so Lastly, I want to let you know that there might be a little delay between now and the next episode because I am having surgery. Don't worry, nothing serious. I will survive. Um, It's just uh, sports-related injuries that I've been putting off for a while, so I should be able to get something up next week. But if I don't, just know it is because I am incapacitated. And on that happy note, I want you to remember that negotiation is where persuasion and problem-solving meet. So if you have any questions or need help with specific situations, please feel free to reach out to me. I would love to help. And thank you again for listening. I hope you have a great week, and I will catch you in the next one.